What's going on, world family? It's your boy, Donald Jones, and welcome to another episode of Journey of the Mindset. I'm here with a very, very close friend of mine, Miss Meredith Clark. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So I'm actually, we're actually here at um, her house, and we're just going to vibe out and talk a little bit about some of the things in her journey, pretty much, that led her up to where she's at right now. Um, but I want to start, like, first of all, how do I even know you? How does how did this happen? Oh, we work together. I used to be your personal therapist, I think. Yeah, she she definitely used to be my personal therapist. Every time I wanted to jump ship from this job that I was working, although it wasn't a terrible job now that I think about it, um, I used to call her up or she used to call me up and I used to have that little baby voice on, like something is wrong, and she used to pick up on it right away and tell me to just stop my nonsense and just do what I got to do, do the job. So I want to tell you right now, I straight up appreciate it. And I even appreciate you 10 times more for coming on to the show. I'm, I appreciate you having me. I'm glad to be here. So I, I'm, I'm very interested um, in your journey because we were talking a little bit before we, the mic came on. And I did know a little bit about your journey because we spoke a little bit um, when I used to work for the organization that, um, that you work for. But if you can just walk me down to a little bit about your journey. Um, I know that we were talking a little bit about um, you um, being sober for a certain amount of time. But just to, to, to go back into the world that you've come out of to who you are today, what would you say one of the biggest challenges were for you coming out of a world where you more so you were, well, I'll let you tell your journey. Let's just do it that way. Cause I don't want to, um, I don't want to add to your story more so. So I'll let you tell your story, but I just want to know your mindset more so of how it was when you were in this dark space to you making that decision to coming out and living the life that you're living today. Okay. Um, my name is Meredith, and I'm very happy to be here. Donald's a great friend of mine. Uh, we don't get to see each other too often. We uh, He lives in the city. I live in the country. Um, but I'm going to start. Um, I grew up as in my whole life. I would, I always felt like I didn't fit in. Um, I was always depressed. Yeah. And um, so I would drink. Uh, you know, I would drink because I was depressed. And for many, many years I drank. Um I have two children. I am a single mother now. I wasn't always a single mother. Yeah. I'm a single mother to a 15-year-old, and you know, that can be hard. Um, but anyway, so I tried to get sober in 2012. I spent a few years sober, um, and then relapse is a huge part of my story. Yeah. The depression, I didn't get any help for it. Um, yeah. Depression and anxiety. I was just, I'm a workaholic. Uh, you know that. Yeah. And um my nephew, who was like my son, was killed in a car accident in November 2018. Um, On the, uh, what is that, the Taconic State yes, Parkway? Yes, was. I definitely remember. He was yes. killed, yes. And you were one of the first people I called. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was traumatized, to say the least, but I went on about my life. Yeah. Um, I went on without Nolan, but I went on about my life. And um, last year in January, I started to feel a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Couldn't do my job. Had to take some uh, time off, and um, I was in the throes of a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And it lasted, um, I relapsed a couple times during that time. Um, it lasted until September of last year, when I finally found the right doctor. Um, you know, she put me on the right medication, uh, but it was horrible. It was horrible. I hated myself. I hated everything around me. I couldn't, sometimes I couldn't breathe. Yeah. Um. And, you know, my job is not hard, but it was, but I couldn't go assess other people when I just couldn't help myself. And it was really, it was bad. I couldn't take care of my kid. My mother would pick him up. She would feed him. And 
today I got back in, I got back into my program of recovery. Um, I started talking to friends again. I wasn't talking to anybody and I started talking to friends again and, um, I started telling my story yeah. because, uh, the, that's really, and, and I, and I had people say, I understand what you're saying yeah. and there's nothing better than, I don't want people to feel that way ever, mm. but there's nothing better than finding somebody. I'm, I'm working with a girl right now who's going through the exact same thing. Yeah. I, I find it. And that's one of the things, um, I definitely talk about on the podcast episodes and I'm happy that you brought it up because I had another guest that also brought it up too, is the importance about speaking about how you're feeling instead of holding it internally. How did that make you feel? Well, first of all, how were you, how were you feeling before you even opened up your mouth and spoke to and speak to anybody? Like what were some of the things that held you back from even talking to somebody about how you felt? Darkness. Darkness. Yeah. On, I mean, I, I would, on beautiful summer days, it didn't even, it barely even rained this summer. It was sunny every day yeah. and it was dark. It was just so dark. And I was, I felt empty. Yeah. I felt empty. I couldn't, my mother would be like, well, talk to me about it, but you don't get it. It's so very important to talk about somebody, talk about it with somebody that gets it. Yeah. It's, it makes you, it, it just, it brings you out of that darkness. If even for a minute, if even for a minute, and if I can help somebody else come out of that darkness, even for a minute, um, I, like I said, I got into therapy. Mm. I found the right medication. I got back into my program of recovery and I, I, I jumped in with both feet because I understood the word powerless in my program of recovery. Talk about being powerless over, over things, you know? And I, I finally, after eight years, I was like, Oh my God, I know what powerless is because yeah. I could not fix this. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I'm a yeah. fixer, man. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm a fixer. And I yes, you are. I couldn't fix this. Yeah. I couldn't fix this. I wasn't mayor, you know, and I remember I'm going to, I don't know if you want me to bring this up, but I remember about two years ago, you were in that space. Yes. And yes. I remember I would call you up and I'd be like, you good? Yeah. And you're like, no, I'm not good. Yeah. No, I'm not good. You, you, you actually met me. Um, I would say definitely during the darkest time of my life is because I was in a transition. Um, during that time, I had just left a job where I felt like the administration wasn't fair to people. Um, I was in a long-term relationship with a, with a, with a, um, a young woman, which was a great girl. She, you know, exposed me to a lot of things and showed me a lot, but it was just that we were just in two separate places in our life. So I felt like I was holding her back and I felt like I was holding me back from something that, you know, from happiness that we both deserved, you know? So, um, I, I wound up letting go of that relationship and taking on a job that paid a lot less. So I lost a lot. I had a car at the time. I lost a car. You know, I had to give up my apartment. I had to wind up moving up with my family. And um, I remember us sitting down now. And it's so funny that we're sitting down here right now and we're having a conversation because I remember me speaking to you and I remember how I felt at the time. And it was that emptiness and that loneliness of feeling like, you know what, I'm going through this by myself, you know, and you helped me out a lot through that. You definitely did because you're, you're with you, you're a fixer, but you don't give people what they want to hear. You no. you tell them the truth, but you do it in a subtle way that they feel comforted, you know? And that's one thing I appreciate because you told me what I needed to hear and it upset me a little bit, but I felt more of comfort. Like, okay, this is not coming from a place of, uh, I'm tired of hearing this. This is coming from a place of, you got power. I come from a place of love. A place of love. And you know, like you, you, this is love and you got power. You got power to move forward. So, So my question to you is this, is that, what would you say were some of the factors that caused you, and I'm talking about like the beginning, um, that caused you to drink? Um, the feeling of not fitting in your whole life. Um, 
And my father died when I was, uh, he went to work one day when I was 12 years old and he dropped dead. Wow. And uh, a massive heart attack. And he was my best friend. Yeah. And that's when I started drinking. I started drinking at 12. And uh, my mother was very, um, she was, I wouldn't say she was crazy. She had, you know, she, my father was an alcoholic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's very genetic. And uh, she took care of him. You know, he worked for, he worked a great job. He had a great job at Con Ed, But, you know, living with an alcoholic is hard. Yes. And then I married one. Yeah. Um, wow. And I married one and uh, he was just like me. And that was a recipe for disaster. We were married for 22 years. Mm-hmm. We have beautiful, beautiful kids. You just saw Troy. Yes, yes, I um, did. Yes, I did. 15 and 24. Mm-hmm. Christopher's getting his master's, just made the uh, National Knowledge Society. So I'm talking about. Yep. Nice. Yep. So I, I must be doing something right. And you know what? I have to stop telling myself that because I'm doing a lot right. Yeah. I'm. You know, I'm... I, I do I do say what I feel, say what I mean, but I, I don't want I don't try to be mean at all. Yeah. Um, like I told you, it's not the end of the world. You're going to survive. Exactly. And then uh, a year later, I was in that situation, and I'm calling you up, and uh, I'm just like, dude, things are not good. Yeah. And um, so I know that feeling, and it, it's it's always more comforting to hear it from somebody that gets it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I drank for a long time. I, I didn't – the only times I could say I didn't drink was when I was pregnant. Wow. Um. And we would claim that we were, you know, we were having cocktail parties. We weren't. There was Bud Light there. We were having <laughs> cocktail parties, kid. Uh, you know, but I drank at home, so nobody really knew. Yeah. Nobody really knew. My mother knew because I'd call her at two o'clock in the morning and be like, "Friends, a jerk, get him out of here." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and the marriage was it was it was good at times, but it was a nightmare because we both drank the same way. Yeah. And uh, we're trying to raise these two kids. And yeah, that was a that was a mess. I find it, it and, and I think that's another thing that plays uh, a role in like depression is is the person that you are with because if you're with somebody too that helps you with the behavior that you're trying to get rid of, it's like you guys start to feed off of each other. Absolutely, you know. So it's like, where, where, where's the breaking point? Where is the I'm tired of this? Because it's okay for you to say you're tired of it, but you still have to live with that person. Right. So it's like, how do you how do you make that decision? And either one, leave the person behind because they don't want to change or two, just stay in it because that's where you're comfortable and you don't want to leave the person that you love. Well, what happened is, you know, I, um, in, 20, in 2007, I found that I had lupus. Yeah. And that's very painful. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started taking painkillers. Yeah. So painkillers and alcohol, they didn't mix together. So mm. great. So um, I actually overdosed in 2012. Yeah, wow. And Christopher found me, my older son. Yes. And he... Uh, he called nine one one. You know, um, his father did CPR. It was it was bad, yeah. and that's when I got sober. And uh, Brian didn't like that. He was like, you know, he didn't want me to get sober. He just thought, you know, you you took too many pills. Yeah. Um. So that's when the marriage started to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um. I left him in two thousand thirteen, and uh, um, I went back to him for a little while in two thousand thirteen. He was very abusive at that point. Yeah. So I wound up in a shelter, a domestic violence shelter, yeah. and um, but I didn't drink. Because I, I, I promised myself I wouldn't. I was going to an outpatient program. Yeah. And um, I was loving my life. I really was. I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I had no car. I had no place to live. Um, we were renting from my mother for 20 years. And she took the house back because yeah. we stopped paying the rent, you know. And um, I had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. But that the, the day I stepped in that domestic violence shelter is the day my life started. Mm-hmm. They told me I was worthy. I was worth it. That I was somebody. And that I was going to be more than I ever dreamed. A life beyond my wildest dreams is what they say in the big book. And um, you see this apartment. It's it's not huge, but it's mine. 
It's my. I got yes. a car in the driveway. You're parked behind. Yes. You know, I have. I have a kids that were my Christopher. He found me in 2012, and we've been rebuilding our relationship. And I'm going to see him next weekend. Nice. Up at Saranac Lake. Nice. And he texted me this morning. I'm so excited. Is I can't wait till next weekend. Nice. That's a blessing. Yes, it That's is. That's a true blessing. I found. I've. I've learned to accept God's grace. Mm -hmm. uh, for many years, I, I wouldn't accept a free gift. Yes. You know, like free gifts, I'd just give them back. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, God, God's grace is amazing. Yes. It, it really is. You, you said something that was really powerful, um, and I want to go back to it. Um, you chose life over love. Uh, a lot of people stay in relationships, and they remain in that place of misery and, and being scared to take that step. And it could be for multiple reasons, um, dependency for, for whatever um, reason, but you found yourself in a situation where you overdosed in the hospital, came back, still was with them. And then the aha moment came and you said, you know what? I choose my life over being in love. How hard was that decision? It was very hard because it was so comfortable. We were a quote unquote family. Yeah. Um, you know, there there was abuse there. There was abuse there. But I thought to myself, you know, it's not that often. Mm -hmm. So it's it's fine because we, you know, we fight and it's because we drink and it wasn't fine. Yeah. It wasn't fine. But I needed to be in a shelter. It, I considered it a homeless shelter. It was a domestic violence shelter, but I needed to be in a shelter for them to tell me it's not fine. Yeah. It's not okay. You don't deserve this. Because, uh, you know, my, my mother was pretty abusive. She was very verbally abusive. So I was used to it. It was comfortable for me. Mm. I went from my mother to Brian. I was I was seventeen years old, and I and I you know and thank God I'm not that way. Yes, I will never tell my child he is any less than perfect. Um, I don't know how I turned out completely opposite, but God's grace again. Well, I think it, it definitely God's grace. I'm going to tell you that right now because He gives you the strength. But I think that you also had an idea of what you didn't want anymore. Yeah. And until you get to that point where you're like, you know what, you don't want this anymore, then that's when, I'm sorry, excuse me, when you get to that point when you don't want this anymore, that's when you're ready to, to, to do that fight. Because I, I was the same way. Like when I got to the point where I'm looking around and I'm sitting here saying to myself, okay, I'm in this apartment by myself. I'm crying by myself. I need to figure this out by myself. Yeah, I did surround myself, started to surround myself around people that did help me, but I had to really get tired. Like really, I'm talking about like pissed off, tired, like I'm tired of life being this way. I'm tired of looking at, I'm tired of working a job and then I don't have money that the following Monday after I just got paid on a Friday yeah. and I had to stand up and do that. And I find it very brave um, for people to be in comfortable situations and saying, you know what, I'm going to take myself out of being comfortable to be uncomfortable to see how far it is that I can go. And I feel like that's what you did. Like your, your, your journey, you 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 went through all of these things and then you jumped on the path of your journey and that's to recovery. So what was recovery like? Recovery is beautiful. It's, uh, you know, they say, they say in, in, you know, my, in my program, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. I was existing. Yes. I was just existing. And, uh, you know, the, even the last, Six months, I'm going to say, is just, I just feel God is all around me. He's, he's, anytime I think about having a drink or I think about, you know, being, if, if I feel a little miserable or something like that, he's just there. All I have to do is get on my knees and ask for his help because I can't do this by myself. I, and I can't do it. it you no know, human, it says in, in my book, no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. Well, you know what? 
my mother tried, my husband tried, everybody tried to help me, but the, there's only one. They say that, uh, you know, there is God, may you find him now. And all I have to do, they teach me, get on your knees. They tell us to do five things in, in uh, my program. Get on your knees in the morning and ask God to do his will. Um, get Try to get to a meeting. Try to, uh, um, what do you call it, definitely make phone calls to two other alcoholics and uh, other people that are part of your network, mm -hmm. right? And then try to get, um, and then you get on your knees at night and you ask and you thank God for getting you through the day. It's that simple to help you keep you away from a drink or a drug or the craziness that comes into your head. Because you're always going to, I mean, I'll be sitting there during the middle of an assessment and all of a sudden this, uh, I'll be thinking about, well, what's, what's Troy doing? And it's just, it, it's crazy. Yes, yes. It's crazy. It just goes off on a tangent. And I say to God, God, remove this, please. And he does. He definitely does. He does. He definitely does. Let me, um, oh. He 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 definitely he definitely does see you out of things. Uh, I I'm, I'm, I got hyped for a second because I remember me sitting down in assessments or interviewing somebody. My head was not there. My head would be somewhere else, and, and I it, it it's funny because it wasn't until the the podcast that I did before um in episode six when um Millie was her name that I was interviewing. She said um. That when she went to therapy, it taught her how to control her thoughts, to put them in order, how to focus on one thing at a time and not think about what you have to do next, because that's what causes the anxiety, which you'll start feeling down and feeling depressed because you have so many things that you feel like you have to do are saving the world. Um, so I, I know that <laughs> that was definitely that was definitely um, on me. It definitely occupies the space in the mind. Your strength, though, I just want to say, is 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 beyond amazing. First of all, I didn't know all of this. I knew some. I knew we had some conversations, but I didn't know all of this. You said you relapsed. What do you think played a role in you relapsing and then going back in to push through this time? I stopped doing the five things that I told you about. Uh, I stopped making phone calls. I stopped praying. Because I was like, he's not helping me. Yeah. This is, you know, this isn't really working. And, I, and my relapses are like a six pack. Yeah. And then I go back to a meeting the next day. That's what my relapses are like. Yeah. Um, the last relapse was um, that utter feeling of darkness and depression. I went into this gas station over here. I went to buy cigarettes and uh, I picked up two tall boys beers. And I came back here and I sat right there on that floor and I drank them. Yeah. And I didn't even catch a buzz. I was so mad. And uh, because I just wanted to feel better. I didn't want to be drunk. I just wanted to feel better. And then I, I said to myself, I haven't had a drink since. And I said to myself, I said, you know, he's here. God, God's here. Whether I didn't get better for like four or five months. They mm -hmm. had to find the right medication. They kept trying me on all these different ones. One of some of them made me more depressed. One made me seize. It was really bad. Yeah. And uh, finally, they, she just put me on the lowest dose of this medication that you could possibly be on. And my life turned, my life was better the next day because God was always there. Yeah. It just wasn't time. I, I have to remember a lot of times I don't, I don't like his timing. Who God's time? Yeah. Ooh. His, his timing is rough. Mm -hmm. You know, cause it's in his time, not your time. Yes, it I, is. Went, I went through that nervous breakdown for a good eight months. Yeah. And my mother would bring me food. She would cook food and bring it to me. 
Um, so Troy could eat. I wasn't eating. I lost 70 pounds. Um, it was bad. I, I want to bring you back because I think that was very important what you said, God's time. God's time sometimes doesn't seem like it works with your time, right? Yes. And I think that's when I think that's where a lot of people start to one lose faith. Two, you're already thinking like, okay, why me? Why am if you love me so much, God, why am I going through this? What was your relationship like before? Like, did you even have a relationship with God before you went into rehab? No. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I blamed him for my father's death. Yeah, I blamed him for my uh, lupus, mm-hmm. for my pill addiction, yeah. for my alcoholism. I blamed him for everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all his fault. I yeah. mean, if if there was a God, it was his fault. Yeah, and uh, it wasn't his fault. I made choices, you know. Um, I made choices to not have faith in him because I could have gotten better a lot sooner. But it wasn't time. It wasn't time. And it wasn't time for me to die. I spent seven days in the ICU. That's what I was going to say. For you, for you to fl- like, flatline, basically, right? They had to yeah, pump your heart. Seven, to- yeah, I had, they had to give me Narcan for six yeah. hours. Like, to, to, did, when you woke up from that, did you remember anything? Or oh, was yeah. Like- and I was mad. I wanted to go home. I told them yeah. I was I'm not a drug addict. Yeah. And uh, the nurse was in Alcoholics Anonymous, and she said, oh, okay. Yeah. She said, you're not getting out of here anytime soon. I hope you know that. I, my heart had stopped. Yeah. And um, so I, they kept me for seven days in the ICU. And then they put me three days in a regular room, and I walked into a meeting beaten up and battered and sick and tired. Like I said, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I deserve. I wanted to live. I didn't. I, I was tired of existing. Um, I, you know, I was Troy and Chris's mom. I was Brian's wife. Mm-hmm. I was not Meredith. Mm-hmm. I wasn't me. I wasn't working. I mean, I wasn't working. I was going berserk. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't working at all. And um, then I went to rehab, and then I went to the domestic violence shelter, and. I'm going to tell you, my life started the day I walked in there. Yeah. And I had nothing. And we rented a studio apartment with the help of social services. That I only had social services for a couple months, but that was that was humbling. That sure was. Um, and then I went to work as a waitress again. And I was making good money. And then we moved, and, and then we rented uh, the house for my mom for two years. And then uh, this came up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is perfect for us. I, I, I go to work. I feel safe leaving Troy here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 15, but I feel safe leaving yeah. him here. He's got so many friends here. And I, I do live, I've always lived my life through my children because they're my greatest blessing. Do, do, um, I know the older one, um, pretty much knows your story. Oh yeah. Both of them know. They both yeah. know. Yeah. I don't hide it from them. How do they feel about mom? They love me yeah. unconditionally. I don't, I don't, I mean, really, um, Troy, Troy was my rock during this whole nervous breakdown. Yeah. He was my rock. He would come in my room and it, you know, it'd be the middle of the day and I'd have all the lights off. And uh, he has a lot of friends around here, mm-hmm. thank God. And friends' parents, you know, yeah. that would help me out. And he would come in my room and he'd be like, are you okay today? Are you okay today? No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Do you want me to turn on the TV? No, please don't. Because I needed to be in the darkness. Yeah. Because it was dark. And the light just scared me. And I remember, I well, actually... Um, Went to the, I, I call it the loony bin, but it's not. I went to the psych ward up mm. in uh, St. Francis for a week mm. because I was suicidal. Yeah. And um, I it just, it was terrible. It was terrible. And they all say, they say it's from uh, PTSD from no, from my nephew's death. Yeah. Because he was like my son. Yeah. He really, I mean, he spent, he would spend weekends every weekend at my house. Yeah. Um, I would see him at least three times during the week. They live a five, they live five miles from here. Yeah. And, um, it, it was a very, um, I feel uh, a very unfortunate death and a very preventable, um, yeah. death. Um, 
it was very, very unfortunate. You know, um, who are you today? I'm a strong, confident woman. Mm-hmm. I come from a place I was telling I was telling my boyfriend yesterday. He was like, you've really changed in the last six months. Because you know what? I come from a place of love. Mm-hmm. Um, without love, you have nothing. Yeah. You have nothing. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a great mother. Um, I n- I've never told myself that. I'm a great mother. Um, I tried to back off him a little bit. You know, because he's becoming, he's coming into his own. He really is. Yeah, they're growing up fast. I sent that boy on his first date last night. What? Oh, my God. (laughs) I sent that baby on on his first date last night. Yeah. With 40 bucks, and that probably wasn't even enough to buy her movie ticket, too. (laughs) They'll make it work. No, they'll make it work. Yeah, they will make it work. (laughs) They made it work. They went to see a movie, and uh, her dad's a police officer, which kind of makes me feel a little good. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, he picked them up, and he drove them home, and I was able to make it to a meeting. Nice. Because, uh, I don't leave him for meetings. I don't. I don't do that. Yeah. Um, I have him fifty percent of the time. Yeah. He's with dad fifty percent of the time, and uh, it really works for us. Sometimes he drives me nuts, and I can't wait for my five day break. Yeah, yeah. But I drive him nuts too. Yeah. We drive each other nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a strong, confident woman. Um, I love my job. I know you didn't love it, but I love it. Yeah. Um, and I love my friends. I have the greatest friends. You and I, we don't get to talk too often, but... No, you'd be busy. I always... I always, <laughs> I always miss Donald Jones. Um, we built a great relationship. We really did. Yeah. We really did. And you like to eat? Yes. I'm going to take you out to eat after this. Oh, one. my God. I w- I, I'm not even going to be able to go out to eat after oh, okay. this. Only because so I, have to have, I have to get back down. But listen, we can set... We definitely... After at, this, we'll talk about it. But we Madison's. set something... Yes. I yes. totally forgot. So... There's, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm gonna just jump off topic a little bit. There's this restaurant up here. We're in Poughkeepsie, by the way. Madison's. Um, it's amazing. The food is amazing. She took me there. This food is like amazing. I'm telling you right now. I'm not giving y'all the address because I don't know the address and I don't want to run into y'all up there. Anyway, back to the show now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna tell you something. Um, I'm a firm believer in things happening for a reason. So, um, on Tuesday night. I got home from school. It's about maybe 11 o'clock and I'm sitting on the couch and I receive a coin, got a coin like, Hey, you know, this is for you. You could just have it, you know, for whatever it is that you want, want to have it for, you know, if it means something to you, it means something to you. And the coin was a three month. So, so I'm going to probably mess this up. 90 day sobriety coin? Yes. And it's funny how it fell into my lap and now I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just twiddling the you know, with it in my in my in my my hands, and then I look at it and I say to myself, somebody worked very very hard for this coin, and I want this coin to mean something to me, even though I don't know the person that worked hard for it. I want to take care of this coin, and I want this coin to mean something to me. And it's funny because that was Tuesday, and here we are on a Saturday, and I'm wondering now if there was a connection, if that was what made because we we've been trying to schedule this. This for yeah. very, very, very long time. And it's always been something, you know, for the, and it's like, I didn't know that part of your story. And now I'm like, just wondering, like, if I'm tying the two together, like, hey, you know, I just wound up getting this and now we're sitting down and we're talking about it. So what does it mean? Like, why did it fall into my lap, possibly, you know? The Lord works in mysterious ways. It, that's where I'm going with that. The Lord works in mysterious ways. And yes, on his time. And although we don't agree with his time. It's always the right time. Yes. He never shows up late. 
Not like Donald Jones. He never showed up late. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just taking a low low. I love it. He he definitely never shows up late. And um, although he is not an easy person to understand, I know for a fact that everything is handled. At all times. At all times. It's done. It's, it's, It's handled. Here on Journey of the Mindset, we have this this culture. We have this thing that we do. And before we end a podcast, we ask three questions. And the first question I want to ask you is, how strong do you feel you are now compared to a year ago? I feel like Hercules. You know, I just... Uh... I was weak then. I was, I, I don't want to say I was weak. I was sick. I was sick and I was just trying to get better. And I worked hard. I worked so hard for that coin yeah. for my life to get, because I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. And, um, I feel like I'm very strong. I get up in the morning and, uh, let's do this. Let's do this. And one step at a time, one breath at a time, one minute at a time, I get it done. I'm curious, and this would be added towards the second question, is what does the world look like to you now? Like, I know when I was in my in my darkness, I would say the world, it didn't look the way it looks now. I can tell you right now, it has color now. It's brighter. But what does the world look like for you now? Look at that sun. Look at that sun. Look at those trees. They're all growing. They might be brown and nasty, and there might not be a flake on the ground, because I love me some snow. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um the world is beautiful. I can't wait to get up to my son's next weekend. There's four feet of snow. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, so I can just take it all in. Mm-hmm. I can just take it all in. Um, I'd love to see every, every, I swear every morning my son walks out of that room, he grew an inch. I'm watching him grow into a man. Yes. I mean, both of them. I'm watching one, one's going to be an environmental engineer in May. Go figure. He did a good job. Go figure. Go. You, you did a, you did a good job. And, uh, the world, the, the world is my oyster, man. It's uh, I can do anything I want to. Yes. Anything. I'm not stuck. I'm not stuck. I'm not existing. I'm living. Mm. I'm not existing. I'm not existing. I'm living. I love that. 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 That right there within itself. That right there. I think I'm gonna name. I think I'm gonna. I'm, that's gonna be the title of this podcast. Okay. That right there within itself is power. That I'm, I'm that right. It just I'm being dramatic right now. I'm sorry. It is what it is. But when you just said that, it put chills through my spine. Uh-huh. Like that right there was power. It makes it, it does the same thing to me. <laughs> that was power. Um, the the last question is what What is the biggest takeaway from this episode that you want the listeners to take away from this episode? I I, I can never get that question right when I say it. Let me try to let me try to put it in order right. I always say it wrong. What is the biggest takeaway from this episode? Let me just leave it as that. There is hope. Yes. There's always hope. Whether you believe in God or not, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. As long as you believe that there's that there's hope and there's a solution to everything, that's not you. Yeah. It's not you. It's something it's something greater than you. Always find something that's power, more powerful than you. Because you can't you know, you can't fix the world's problems. You can't fix your own problems. But something, it doesn't matter, it doesn't have to be God, but a power greater than you. That's that's my that's my thing. Always find something that's greater than you. Meredith, 
I truly appreciate you for coming on to this podcast, for you being able to open up, being vulnerable with me having this conversation. Um, I, I say this to everybody, and I always mean it to everybody, but um, I'm not the type of person that's going to come to you and just use you for one episode and then you won't see me again. I really hope that we can definitely um, do another podcast. I'm pretty sure that the listeners are going to be able to take away a lot from here. Um, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get some questions that I, I'm going to have to come back and, and ask you because they're going to want answers. Um, where can people find you, though? Like, if they wanted to, like, reach out and just say, hey, you know what? You're, that podcast meant a lot to me. Is there any place that they could reach out to you, send you a direct message, email, anything? Yeah, I'm on Facebook as Meredith, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H-C-L-A-R-K hyphen H-A-L-L-A. Or on Instagram at Troy Chris Mama. T-R-O-Y-C-H-R-I-S-M-A-M-A. Reach out. And I'll definitely put um, that at the um, in the caption when I post on Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of Journey of the Mindset, where you come here to get fed. I am so excited and happy that Meredith came on to this episode. I hope that you all can take away from it. Please, like I say all the time, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to share, like, subscribe, rate, whatever you can. Send it to your loved one. Send it to the boyfriend, girlfriend, grandmother. Send it to whoever, but share the information and the conversations that's going on on Journey of the Mindset. Until next time, world family, it's your boy, Donald Jones, a.k.a. DJ. Another episode of Journey of the Mindset. Peace.